Amen. Well, good morning, Cross Point. How's everybody this morning? Doing well? Good to see you. I hope you've been enjoying this cooler weather that we've had. I, I thought it was kind of funny. We have spring break and it turns cool. So, but uh, but that's good. I, I love it. It's been it's been some beautiful days that we've had this week. And and I was just thinking about the reality that we are we are sort of entering into this time of spring, and that means we're also pushing forward to summer. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not really looking forward to summer. I know some of you could be here today for the first time in your life, and maybe you just moved into town and you haven't experienced a South Georgia summer. But it, it, South Georgia summer reminds me a lot of the place that we don't want to spend an eternity, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it is hot. And so it's, uh, it's, it's just one of the, you know, but we're moving that way. And, and uh, with summer, I know God's going to continue to do some great things, and I'm excited about that. Excited about our message today as we, as we dive into God's Word together. We continue in our time of study, but I'm also excited because, uh, you know, we're, what we're celebrating in this series is really a, a time where we can, we can come together as a church and identify as individuals what really our next step is in this journey walk that we have with Christ Jesus. And so uh, one of the things I want to share with you today, and I, I want to sort of do this on the onset of the message, is, is share with you. Spence mentioned that we have these next step cards sitting in your seat. And I want to challenge, I want to invite you today, every one of us here today, to fill one of these out. Now here's the thing. I believe that this will be, at the end of the service, a very tangible way that we can respond to what God's doing in our life. But, but on a very simple level, if anything... If you fill this out for us today, we would be able to update our, our data and our system, your contact information. That's something that is important for us, especially considering that we're going to be moving into a new building before very long, and we're going to have more people come and join uh, the life of this church. And so I want to encourage all of you here, every one of you, to, to fill out a Next Steps card, just if nothing else, so that we can get your contact information, but also... At the end of the message, uh, you know, as we get that time where we sort of respond to what God has done in our life, we're going to have an opportunity to check off uh, a place, uh, uh, any of these boxes that may be applicable to us as individuals. Uh, things like, you know, I want to get baptized. And we'll be talking about baptism, obviously, this morning. Uh, you, you probably could sort of figure that out by the video that we, we just showed you, the testimony of JT. But also, there's a lot of different boxes here. Uh, one of them is, I'm battling with addiction, and I want to walk in freedom. And so if that's you this morning, you, you would like for the church to, to be there to help you see how you can do that, we, we invite you to check off that box so we can pray for you and that we can minister to you. You know, how do you become a part of this faith family in partnership, or I want to join a life group, or I'd, I'd like to learn more about leading and teaching others. So whatever it is that God lays on your heart at the end of this message as a next step for you, we want to invite you to, 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 to check off that box. If, if you don't find what you feel like is your next step uh, in your journey with Christ, then just write it in. We want to share that with you. We want to, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to pray for you in, the, in your next step. And so this becomes a very tangible way for us at the end of the service to respond. So I give you sort of permission to write in your name and everything and uh, while I'm preaching, it might be uh, actually more interesting, I don't know. But, uh, but I, I just invite you to go ahead and just be thinking about how God may lay this next step card on your heart throughout the 
the message here this morning. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to be talking about baptism this morning, uh, that which is also a very important ordinance that God has given the, the, the church. We talked about Lord's Supper last week. We'll be talking about baptism this week. So let's, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we are thankful for your presence in our life and in this place. And God, as we gather here today collectively uh, together and we turn to your word, uh, that which we find as authoritative in our life, God, we, we, we invite you to stir our hearts, God, to stir our souls, to meet us in this place and to speak into our hearts and our lives. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the reality that, God, your son was willing to go to the cross and there endure a horrible death only to be buried in a borrowed tomb. But, God, we also celebrate together today the resurrection of Jesus, that is, him coming from the grave, having victory over sin and death. And so, Father, we celebrate these things together as a church family. We celebrate these things as a faith family. And Father, today as we prepare to dive into your word and speak on a very important subject for us as individuals, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would help us to set aside every distraction in our life, and Lord, that we would be receptive to your voice this morning. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. The message this morning is titled, One Baptism That Celebrates It All. One baptism that celebrates it all. I want to invite you to turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be starting with verse 1 there. Ephesians chapter 4. And, and I'll tell you, there's something really amazing about baptism. You know, I, the, the reason we, we titled this message, One Baptism That Celebrates It All, is because really, quite honestly, that's what baptism is. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of something that is very important in our life. It's a it's a time where we can come before the, the church, our faith family, and we can make a declaration that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that as we make this declaration that, that, that God has, has done something inwardly within us, then we have the opportunity through baptism to really offer an outward expression of what God has done inwardly within us. God has changed our hearts, and so we want to communicate that to our faith family we want to celebrate that with our faith family because baptism is about celebrating new life that we have in Christ Jesus and so this morning we want to look at this and talk about it because it truly is one of the the greatest things that we could do with our life as believers or followers of Christ Jesus so this morning we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 now as a local church the Bible teaches us all throughout Scripture that we should be unified and together in a lot of different things. That as a church, we come together unified behind one vision, behind one purpose. But we also come and, and we find ourselves unified because of Christ Jesus. We are unified in Christ Jesus as disciples or as followers of Jesus. Jesus spoke a lot about this. We see this throughout Scripture in, in different letters and passages that we read. Jesus in his high priestly prayer, he once prayed this prayer. He says that he, he prayed that we would, that they may all be one, speaking of the church. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, 
that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I love this. He prays that we may be all one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so Jesus' prayer is that we would come together in unity and as we come together in unity that we would be so unified that the world would have an opportunity to discover who Jesus is. And so unity and togetherness and oneness is so important for the life of the church. Paul once wrote this in his letter to the Philippians. You know, he, he, he wrote this letter and, and, uh, and it's, it's one that he, um, you know, as he wrote to the Philippians, he was just so uh, encouraging to them. And uh, one of the things he recognized in them was unity, but he, pre- he wrote this in his, in his letter. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He wrote that to the Philippians, knowing already that they were a very unified body of believers, but he really challenged them with this. And so today we want to talk about oneness, but we also want to look at this issue of baptism. And what I love about Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, is that Paul uses this, this time in his letter to really communicate both of these things, to communicate oneness but also in unity, but also communicate baptism. And so we're going to be looking at that as we dive into the text today. Read with me, if you will, verses 1 through 6 of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. And so here in the first three verses, you can see that he is really challenging the church to to be unified behind Christ Jesus, behind this common faith that they have in in Jesus, this belief, this, this understanding, this faith that they have in Christ. And then he says this in verse 4. He said, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. And then he says in verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I, I really like this text. I like how the Apostle Paul uses this text to communicate that which he is wanting to communicate. When we look into Scripture we, and we study baptism, which is what we're doing today, you, you, you begin to realize as you read throughout all of Scripture that, that when the Scripture talks about baptism, it's referring to one of two things. One, it could be talking about the spiritual baptism that we have in the Holy Spirit. Or two, it could be talking about a very literal, physical baptism that we do with water. And so it could be referring to this this pouring out or this immersion of the Holy Spirit of God in our life where the Holy Spirit of God comes into our life in such a a very real way and and it could be talking about the the reality that we are immersed in the Holy Spirit of God or it could be talking about this, this literal baptism, this act or this ritual that Jesus' followers do to proclaim their faith in Him, and to point to something that is hugely important important for us to point to, and that is the 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we see that as we study the Scriptures. We see where, where the, the Bible takes us as we study this. Now, in our passage, Paul mentions uh, baptism here. He mentions baptism. And, and, and there have been arguments over which one he's referring to here. He, he sometimes, you know, some people would say that, that when he says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, he's referring to a spiritual baptism. And then there have been others, and, and this is where I, I land on the, on the issue, that there, there have been others that would say, no, he's talking about physical water baptism here when he says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And the reason I think that's so is because, because I think uh, verse 4 already addresses this. In fact, John MacArthur is one who would also say this, and he says these words. I, I like this. It, it sort of supports what I'm saying here. It says, some people want to say that this is spiritual baptism, but no, that's taken care of in verse 4. One body, we were all placed into that body by the baptism of the Spirit. And so Paul does address spiritual baptism in this text, but then he also moves to what I believe talking about physical baptism or a literal water baptism because remember he is addressing a local body of believers. He's addressing the, the Ephesians here. And he is talking to this local church, and he says, and remember, there is one Lord, there is one faith, and there is one baptism. And so I believe he is pointing to water baptism here. But either way, whichever way you land here, one of the things that we can certainly agree on is the reality that the Apostle Paul is using this text to really uh, to springboard into a, an issue or a doctrine that we should quite honestly, take very important in our life, and that is the, the doctrine or the understanding of baptism. This morning, obviously, we don't have time to talk about both of these, and, and what I want to talk about is, is the, the physical baptism, the baptism by water that takes place in an individual's life. On many Sundays, we have an opportunity to roll our baptistry into this room right over here, and, and we, we, uh, we, we fill it with water, and we baptize a a new believer or maybe somebody who's been a believer for a while, but we, we baptize with water. And so this is what I want to talk about here this morning as we dive into this message today. And today what I want to do is I want to try to answer three basic questions and uh, that I think are very important questions for every one of us to answer as we think about water baptism, as we think about baptism. Here's the three questions and then I'll break them down for you. The first one is, why should we be baptized? Why should we be baptized? The second one is, is baptism necessary for salvation? Is baptism necessary for salvation? And the third one is this, why is it important to be baptized by immersion? Why is it important to be baptized by immersion? So these are the three questions I want to try to answer today, and obviously that's a lot to try to cover in, in just two hours that we have left together but, um, but anyway, that just, you know, I was trying to see who was listening out there. And there's about 18 of you that were. So, um, but the first question is this. Why should we be baptized? Why is it that we should be baptized? You know, according to Scripture, uh, water baptism uh, or baptism that we're talking about here today, physical, uh, literal baptism by water, it is quite honestly one of the most important next steps that a believer could take. For someone who gives their life to Christ, for someone who surrenders to 
the lordship of Jesus, that Jesus is their Savior and their Lord, for someone who becomes an authentic follower in Jesus Christ, quite honestly, the first next step in that person's life should be baptism. It's that important. And one of the things that we're going to see here is that according to Scripture, we are really challenged to, to do so, to respond in a spirit of des- and a desire to be baptized. I want to give you three reasons why I think we should be baptized. First of all, baptism is the first thing that we see Jesus do before beginning his ministry. I mean, Jesus saw it as something that was very important. And one of the things as we study the life of Jesus is the first thing that we see happen in Jesus' life is baptism. In the Gospel of Mark, we see where Jesus, uh, he comes, and, and, and on the, the very onset of this Gospel, this, this story of Jesus, if you will, that Jesus is baptized even before he goes out into the desert to be tempted. Jesus is baptized even before he begins his ministry. Jesus is baptized even before he calls his disciples as a, as a group of people who would be discipled by him. And so we see Jesus being baptized. And so we, we, we notice that, that Jesus uh, was baptized himself. And I don't know about you, but to me, if Jesus saw the importance of being baptized, then I, I w- it would only make sense that his followers would want to be baptized as well. And so here we see this sort of playing out in Matthew 3, verse 15. We see where Jesus says these words about baptism. And, and they're pretty strong words for us to understand concerning this. Jesus says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting... For us to fulfill all righteousness. So that's pretty strong language for for somebody who uh, is considering baptism. Someone who may desire to be baptized to consider that Jesus saw it as this important. And so this is one of the reasons I think that we should be baptized. Another one is, quite honestly, we're commanded to be baptized. We're commanded to be baptized. In, in, In Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 we read a, a verse or a couple of verses here that, has come to, that we've come to know as, as, as the Great Commission. Where Jesus, just before He's ascending into heaven, that Jesus would look to His disciples and He would challenge them with things to do. And basically, He gives them a to-do list as He is preparing to, to ascend into heaven. And we read these words where Jesus says to His disciples, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, go out, share the gospel, tell people about me, and as people hear about me and they give their life to Christ and they become a disciple, then baptize them. And so we are challenged, we are commanded in this great commission to not just go out and tell people about Jesus, but as people respond to what the Holy Spirit is inwardly doing within their life, and they give their life to Christ, they respond. They are, in other words, they are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, that the very first step that they would take would be baptism as they prepare to journey with Jesus along the way. And so Jesus says, go out and make these disciples, and as you make these disciples, then baptize them. And so we are... We see that not only Jesus did it, but we were commanded to do it. And then finally, we see as we look at the early church that the early church responded in obedience to this command. So you see, Jesus said, go out and do it. But then we see the early church responding in this. In other words, their their initial reaction 
when they get saved, when they come to understand Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is to want to be baptized. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. After Peter had preached a, a sermon, an amazing sermon, where we see many people give their life to the Lord, and, and in response to those who were being saved, it says here in verse 42, so those who received his word were baptized. When they were added that day, about 3,000 souls. That would have been a pretty good baptism service, wouldn't it? That would have taken a lot of water. <laughs> in fact, a river. Uh, and so here we see that, that the early church responded in obedience. And so these are pretty good reasons. And, and I think they're important reasons. But here's the thing. And this is really what I want us to understand about baptism. When, when we look into Scripture, we see that the reason that baptism was so important to Jesus is because as a follower of Christ Jesus, when we are baptized, we are very symbolically pointing to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You remember last week we looked at the Lord's Supper and it says, you know, where, where Jesus, he instructed his disciples. He says, when you, when you break bread together, when you drink from the cup together, he says, do this in what? In remembrance of me. In other words, Jesus is pointing to this reality that we are to go, that, that he went to the cross. It was the cross in which he went and it was the cross in which his blood was spilled for the atonement of our sins. He died on that cross. He was taken down from that cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb because he didn't have his own. And he was buried in this tomb. But in three days, he rose from the grave having victory over sin and death. How many of you celebrate that this morning? Amen? We celebrate that. And so you see the two, the two ordinances that Jesus, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but the two ordinances that Jesus gave to the church these acts or these rituals, if you will, these, these action steps that the church would take, he gave them to the church so that every time we do it, we would remember the work of Christ on the cross. Whether it's Lord's Supper or whether it's baptism. Every time we baptize somebody over here, you see someone enter into the water. And by the way, that water's warm. You don't ever have to wonder. We never play the trick of you know, the ice bucket challenge or anything on anybody. That would be great, though, wouldn't it? Somebody get up there, what's all the ice, you know? <laughs> you know, ooh, you know, as they go down in the water. But, but we, we, have, we have the baptistry over there, and people enter into that water, and they, they come into the water, and then we, we ask something very, very intentional. Who do you profess as your Lord and Savior? And they respond with Jesus Christ. And then we see something beautiful. I love what JT was saying as he was describing this, this understanding of the resurrection and how he came to see baptism in this, we see something really quite honestly is very beautiful. We see a believer in Christ Jesus who as he's carried underwater, we say these words very intentionally, buried with him in his likeness, meaning the death, burial, and resurrection, symbolizing for us death in our old life. And then we come back out of the water, we come out of the water, symbolizing a new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And so we celebrate that. And it's a beautiful image of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are so many reasons why we should be baptized. 
But another reason is not only does it symbolically point to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but it identifies us as believers with Christ Jesus. You know, all throughout the Scripture, the ones that we see baptized are all believers, which points to this reality that we shouldn't be baptized until we have come to understand who Christ Jesus is. You see, one of the purposes behind baptism is the reality that in that baptism that we have identity in Christ and for Christ. In other words, I heard it explained like this. Years ago when I was contemplating baptism, uh, I was 22 years old and I was, I was getting ready to be baptized. And I remember somebody saying, as I was sort of asking some questions about baptism, they said, David, it's sort of like putting on the uniform of Jesus. It's sort of like identifying yourself with Jesus Christ before your faith family. And I started thinking about that, and I realized it would be a lot like, you know, if I go to my favorite football, college football team, and I go and I, I, I'm there to watch the game, and, and most of you know that, that I, I root for the University of Georgia, and if you root for anybody else, you're not going to heaven. But anyway, uh, I know we have a lot of Alabama and Florida fans here. I don't understand it. Some people just live their life in disobedience. But anyway... Uh, that was for Sharon and Mike over there. I, I see them sitting there. I know they love Alabama. But anyway, I still love y'all, though. <laughs> I don't, I'm chasing a rabbit here. I, I, I'm trying to recover. I'm trying, okay? But anyway, it, it's kind of like going to watch a college football team. You've all, uh, you've all seen how the game starts off, right? Where the, the team busts through the paper and they run out on the field. I mean, it's sort of a ritual that they do. And one of the things that you can, you can know right away when this happens is who the team is, right? Because they're all in the same uniform. They all have that, that special G on the side of their helmet. They're all in that black and red. And they're, they're running out on the field. And, and here they come. And, and you can recognize them as, as the team. You, they, they identify themselves as a, as a player of this college football team. It would be really unusual to see a guy in blue jeans and a t-shirt running with them, wouldn't it? It just wouldn't really make sense. You would, you would see that person as almost an imposter. Well, here in the, in the Scriptures, as we study baptism, we come to understand that baptism is, is, is placing our identity in Christ. It's saying very publicly, if you will, I identify with Jesus. And I can tell you, any day that's better than the Georgia Bulldogs. Amen? Any day. That's better. To publicly declare to your faith family, I stand with Jesus. So that's why we need to be baptized. Another question that I, I wanted to try to answer today is, is baptism necessary for salvation? You know, honestly, I kind of wish it was. And that way it was sort of just kind of force the issue. It's that important. But, but really, when we look at Scripture, we can't really say that. It's not, that it's, it's not that it's needed, necessary for salvation, but, but the reality is, is hugely important. Jesus has commanded it. And so we, we wrestle with this, but, but what we see is, as we study baptism, as we come to understand it, we, we, we see that this is one of the most important steps that we could take as a follower in Christ Jesus, but we come to realize that, it, that it, it is, salvation is not dependent on it. And I, it w I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that. I wouldn't be honest if I didn't present that as we study this, but I want to tell you why. 
You see, there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. Amen? There's nothing we can do. We know, as followers of Christ Jesus, that we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. That's how we've been saved. We, you know, we didn't walk a, 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 a lot of little old ladies across the street and earn our salvation. There was, there was no acts or rituals or weekly activities or action steps that we do enough of to where we can receive God's grace and therefore be saved. The Bible is very clear that we are saved by grace, and that grace is a free gift from God. We don't deserve it. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. I think one of the reasons why baptism is not necessary for salvation is because if it was, then there would be a lot of people who got baptized and they had their assurance of their salvation in that act. One of the perfect examples, I think, of this, a good example, I don't think it's the best example, but one of the, the good examples is the thief on the cross when Jesus was crucified. Most of us know the story where Jesus, he goes to the cross, and, and as he's hanging on the cross and he's dying, there's two thieves that were also crucified with him. And as they were crucified, they were sitting there, one of these thieves, he, he comes to this place in his life where he leans over to Jesus and he he, he declares or he makes Jesus aware that he believes that he is the Savior of the world. And what Jesus says to him in those moments is, tonight you will be with me in paradise. This thief had no opportunity to be baptized. And yet there he was having faith in Christ Jesus, being saved by the grace of God, and now having faith in Jesus Christ, he was going to spend an eternity with Jesus. But here's where I think the greater argument for this is. As you know, the Apostle Paul was one who was very adamant on sharing the gospel, the message of Christ. The Apostle Paul was one who, who was constantly teaching others about authentic salvation and authentic relationship with Jesus, living for Jesus as a disciple, as an authentic believer and follower of Christ. And so he was, he was always teaching of this. In Corinthians we see where he is writing to them and he basically begins to argue about and debate about salvation. And what he lays out is, a, is an outline for salvation. And there's two things that I want to point out this morning that he says that really points to this truth that we are talking about here today. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 14, he says, he, uh, verse 14, he says this, I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. Well, if baptism, was, if baptism was necessary for salvation, then why would you make that sort of comment? He goes on to say in verse 17, he says, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so Paul says here, he says, For, the, for Christ did not send me to baptize. In other words, if Christ sent him to share the gospel that many would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, then why wouldn't baptism be a part of that if it was necessary for salvation? And so here we see this all being sort of played out. Baptism is hugely important. Baptism is hugely important because Jesus did it, because Jesus commanded it, and because the early church lived it out 
in their life, it should be lived out in ours. It should be something that comes as a desire to do because of what Christ has done inwardly within us. Now here's the third question that I want to answer. The third one is this. Why is it important to be baptized by immersion? I've got 24 seconds to answer this. So here goes. You're going to be here for a while. No, I'm kidding. Why is it important to be baptized by immersion? The simple answer would be this. Because this is what we see in Scripture. That would be the simple answer. But let, let's dive into this for just a moment. You know, when we, look at, when we look at John the Baptist, this is how he was baptizing. John the Baptist was taking people, and he was taking them underwater, and he was bringing them up out of that water. And so we know that immersion, baptism by immersion, was, was the mode in which he followed as he was baptizing people. This was how John the Baptist was doing it. We also know that this is how Jesus himself was baptized. We know that Jesus was baptized this way. And we also know that as we read throughout the scripture and we see other situations like Philip in the Ethiopian, where Philip was baptizing by this way as well. And, and you say, well, how do we know this? How do we know that this is the way that immersion was the means by which people were baptized? And it really comes down to the word baptism anyway. The very word baptism comes from a Greek word that means baptizo. We don't really see it too often in Greek, uh, in classical Greek language. We do see it in the New Testament. We do see it in other ways, but more so in other ways than the New Testament. So in other words, when we look into the New Testament and we try to figure out what this word baptizo means, we have to go to other classical documents to try to understand it. And one of the places that we go to to try to understand this word baptizo is in the language that basically describes ships that had been sunk. In other words, they'd been sunk and lost at sea, either by acts of war where they had been sunk by the enemy, or we see also where this word baptizo, baptizo is used to talk about or describe ships that sunk in, in, in very terrible weather like hurricanes where, where the ship was lost at sea. But every time this word is used in those circumstances, it is pointing to the reality that that ship now rests at the bottom of the ocean. Not that it's up on the beach, half in, half out. But this boat, this ship is now at the bottom of the ocean and there's no way we can get it. But you see, in the Greek language, in the New Testament, we see another word that is combined with this word baptizo. And it's the word apo. And it means from. And so every time we see the word baptizo, and we're going to look at this with Jesus' baptism as well, when we see this word, we also see another word, Greek word, apo, that combined with a few other words literally means up, out, of. In other words, it's, it's, it would be in the maritime talk, it would be taking a ship and salvaging it where you bring it up from the bottom and up out of the water. Now, obviously, they didn't have the means during Jesus' day to do such a thing. So those ships stayed down. But when we look at the baptism of Jesus, when we look at the baptism, this word that is used in the Greek language in the New Testament, that every time it refers to an individual going down to the bottom. I don't think it was very deep, but they were going down to the bottom. They were submerged. They were unrecoverable. And then with this word, apo, they were brought up out of 
and from the water. Why? To symbolize Jesus' death, burial, baptizo, and resurrection, apo, up from the grave, up from the water. We see this in Matthew 3, verse 16. Also in Mark, but in Matthew 3, 16, we see where it says, and when Jesus was baptized, here's the word, Greek word, baptizo, immediately he, apo, came up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. So why baptize by immersion? Why do we do it this way? Why don't we just simply sprinkle water over somebody's head? Why don't we pour water over somebody's head? It's because when we look into Scripture, this is how Jesus did it. This is how Philip and John the Baptist, how they did it. It was the means. In fact, baptizo can't even be the word that is used if you're referring to anything other than immersion. It's the only word that can be used. And so I, I don't know about where you find yourself this morning or, you know, if you've if you've been baptized a believer's baptism, I want to invite you in just a moment, if you, if you have to, or if you haven't, to, to, to fill out our next steps card. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But it only seems to make sense to me that if that's how Jesus did it, and Jesus commands us to do it, that it would only make sense for us to be baptized by immersion. So in closing, here's what we know about baptism. Here's what we've learned as we look throughout the Scriptures. First of all, it is to be done by those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All through Scripture we see where people gave their life to Christ and then they were baptized. Uh, it is also a means, it is not a means of salvation, but rather it's a public confession of one's identity with Christ. For us to be baptized, we have an opportunity to say to our community and to our church family, I believe in Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. We learn in the scriptures here that to be baptized, to, to be identified with Christ Jesus is best demonstrated by immersion. Where we symbolically point to His death and burial by going underneath the water. And we point to his resurrection from coming up out of the water. This morning, I want to invite you to consider what your next step is in your walk with Christ. You know, I can only imagine that there are, there are a lot of people here today that just like me and just like JT and just like even my wife, we're baptized later in life because we came to understand the true meaning, the fulfilled meaning, the, the meaning of, of baptism and how important it is for us to be baptized, a believer's baptism. After giving our life to Christ, we want to follow through in obedience to what Jesus has called us to do. When we had gone to seminary, my wife and my two girls, we had moved up to Wake Forest, North Carolina, and we were there, and we, we hadn't been there but a couple of weeks, and we had joined this local church, and, 
and, uh, and, and so there we were. And, and, you know, part of going to seminary is sort of intimidating because you have, you have seminary professors and students that have been going to seminary much longer than you have that are there, and you realize that you just moved there out of Sunday school, and <laughs> they just seem to be so much further along than you are in their understanding, in their, in their academic studies of theology. And I remember it's just sort of an intimidating time, and, and we're there, and you, you, you want to you wanna make a good impression. You know, you, wanna, you want people to, you know, to sort of accept you into the fold of seminary. I mean, that's, just, that's probably the flesh in us, but that's, that's where you find yourself. And I remember one day we, had, we joined this church, and you know, here we were, this, this nice Christian family, and the pastor, he gets up and he starts preaching on salvation, and then he starts preaching on baptism. And he gives an invitation, and at the, at the invitation, he, he gives an invitation for people to respond. And I remember Linnell just stepped out in the aisle and took off down the aisle to the preacher. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, what, what's going on? Is, is she not saved? Is, I mean, my goodness, I thought she was saved. I thought I married a believer, you know? It, it's one of these things. I, I was just sort of flabbergasted why she would be going forward. And, and, and then I thought, well, you know, I know she'd been baptized. I, I don't know why. Maybe she's going down there to tell the pastor that our marriage is a wreck. I don't know. She didn't talk to me about this. What's she doing? I'm looking down there. She's having this big conversation with the pastor and everything. And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. And then suddenly the music ended and the pastor, he, he just kind of turned. He calls Linnell up to stand by. And then he looks at me and says, David, why don't you come on down here? I was like, no, I don't even know what's happening. I don't even know that I want what she got. You know, I, I don't know what's happening. You know, I don't know what's happening. But I remember he called me down there, and everybody, of course, everybody in the building looks at you, you know. So I step out, and I go down there, and, and the, the story goes like this, that, that while she was sitting there, and, and the preacher was preaching on baptism, that she came to this understanding that she had been baptized at such an early age of life, and it was only after that, that time of baptism that she had been, she had gotten saved at the age of 15, and so she, she came to this conviction that she had been baptized on the wrong side of the cross. And she just wanted to follow through with baptism. Not to take away anything that had happened at a younger, earlier time in her life, but, but to follow through, just like JT testified in his, in his message. To follow through with believer's baptism by immersion. She wanted to live out her life the best way she knew how. To demonstrate her identity in Christ Jesus. And to celebrate his death, burial, in resurrection. I remember the pastor, he looked at me and says, would you like to baptize your wife? And I'd already, as a minister of the gospel, I'd already baptized my two daughters. And so it felt a little bit strange, but, but in the end, I had the blessing of baptizing my entire family. And it was a beautiful picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we want to invite you to consider what God is revealing to you. In just two weeks, we're going to have a very special service here. In just two weeks, we're going to bring the baptistry in. We may have to get two or three brought in. I don't know. It just depends on how many of you feel as though this is something you want to celebrate. But we want to celebrate with those who want to follow through with baptism. And it might be two or three of you. It might be 20 or 30. It might be 100 of you. It doesn't matter. We want to have a baptism celebration. So on April the 24th, we're going to bring in the baptistries and we're going to celebrate new life in Christ Jesus. And if today the decision that you feel that God is calling 
you to respond to that of baptism, if that's you, then just check off that box on that. You know, like I said earlier, that next steps card, it is a very tangible way to respond to what God is speaking into your life today. This altar is open. If you want to come and spend some time in prayer, if you want to come and just seek God as you seek to understand your next step as a follower of Christ Jesus, how He would would have you to follow Him, then this altar is open. Our pastors are down front. If you want to come and pray with them, if you want to join us in the connection room after the service, we just want to give you the opportunity to respond in faith to that which God is calling you to do. And if checking off a box is the easiest way you know how, then what we can do as a church is we can contact you this week. And we can follow up with you and we can pray with you. And we can help you to celebrate that which Jesus Christ has deemed as so important in all of our lives. I remember seeing an 85-year-old woman who came forward for baptism years ago an 85-year-old woman who had lived her life in the life of the church never having been baptized, who said, I want to follow through. Her biggest fear was getting in water because the mode was immersion. Her biggest fear was getting in the water, and yet she finally saw it as that time where she needed to respond and be obedient to what God was calling her to do. So let's respond. Let's be faithful to ask God, God, what is our next step? What is my next step? And let's let the Lord lead us in that response. I'm going to pray. And then you take as much time as you need to reflect on that truth, on that time of response as you need. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the life that we have in Christ Jesus. Father, there may be some here today that have never never known you as their Lord and their Savior. And God, I pray that today, if if there are those here today that want to respond in that way, God, I pray that, Lord, they would have the boldness to do so. God, there there may be some here today that have questions. God, I pray that they would seek out our pastors, myself, and get the answers that they need. Father, I pray that if there's those that are here today and they're suffering from addiction, that God, the box that they check off would be one that says, I'm battling addiction and want to walk in freedom. Lord, if there's those who want to respond today very tangibly, that they want to put roots down in this place. Because, God, they see you at work. And, God, they want to be a part of what's happening here. They want to belong to a faith family. God, that is on mission for Jesus. I pray that you would lead them to responding in that way. God, there are so many things that we could could respond to this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak deeply into our hearts and that in obedience, we would follow you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.